All right, welcome to the show. We have Dave and Mel. How are you doing, Dave? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I uh, Mel will be joining us, but uh, as for now, I'm just the Dave part of, of Mel and Dave. Hey, George, thanks for having us on, man. I appreciate it. Yes. So, all right, for people who don't know who you are, Dave, give us like, you know, a 30 second run of who you are and what you do. Okay, absolutely. So Mel and I, full-time real estate investors, we currently own uh, 200 and I think 20 something apartments or units uh, comprised of multifamily, residential, commercial, storage, that type of thing. We are Canadian. We're about four hours north of Toronto. Um, We both were able to quit our full-time jobs in our 30s. I was a full-time firefighter. Mel worked at the local college. And now we are investors, mentors, and parents. So yeah, that's pretty much us in a quick nutshell. With Oh, the most important thing is we do it with none of our own money and no joint venture partners. I love saying that. So yeah, all OPM. Yeah, you got to tell the secret, but they got to listen. So, <laughs> all right. I like the fact that you're a firefighter. So what motivated you? to? Um, because firefighter, I'm already thinking, oh, he worked a lot of hours to get to this point. How did you, like, what was, how are you feeling at, the, um, at being a firefighter? What made you want to leave? being a firefighter to do this yeah and and i it was my when i was in high school my whole goal right was i i'd read a real estate book so i was it was kind of like in the back of my mind and the fire thing i just always it was a childhood dream right and uh i finally achieved it i worked the government did a bunch of things and finally got on the fire department in ottawa so i was in ottawa for about 10 months um did a bunch of stations there and then i got on north bay which is where i want to come back home um, I, I really loved it. It was a great job, great guys, great camaraderie. It, but then that real estate bug came back. And as I started buying income properties and I met Mel, uh, the, the income property or the real estate bug just took over, took over. And uh, I realized as much as firefighting was, was obviously challenging and different things, but there was a lot of times weekends and nights where I was away from my family, right? Whereas real estate, I could still make money and still sleep, you know, in my bed beside Mel every single night. So that started to really take a toll on me. And uh, I just saw how passive real estate could be. So I I can make money while I sleep. And I started to weigh out my options. And you know what, I'll spend more time with Mel at home making the same amount, if not more, as opposed to uh, going and, and risking it out on the line. So uh, yeah, so it kind of became a, a clear winner, a clear choice for me, George. Yes, and the, re- the reason I asked that because it seemed like a lot of um, firefighters or police officers, people who have the leverage to up and down their hours. So, you know, like a police officer probably could work 67 hours. So I tell people like a nine to five is not bad. It's, if it allows you to work like that and you know you can keep buying houses, that's like the perfect opportunity because I think about me, I was a mailman. And I was working 50, 60 hours a week because I knew I was taking all that money and I'm buying real estate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, all right, take us back to where did you grow up at? How was your life growing up? Were you like middle class? How was your parents? Yeah, my, my mom, like again, in North Bay, Ontario, uh, Canada. So uh, my mom was a school teacher, eventually became a school principal. That was after I moved out. My dad worked for which ministry? He worked for the government, basically. We'll leave it at that. I think it was Ministry of Education. I forget what it, was, what it is, actually. Training. Right. And, uh, yeah, they, they spent a lot of time playing hockey, doing the typical, uh, you know, uh, traveling team hockey. Spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of money doing that for me and helping me with that. Um, and my goals, I thought I was going to be go to the go to the big times, and I didn't make the OHL, and I didn't make the show, and realized uh, 
And now I'm happy that nothing happened with hockey because well, I'm not happy, but anyway, it, it was one of those where I thought maybe hockey would be the ticket and it right. turned out to completely, I was hoping maybe a scholarship, which I'm not really a school guy, but um, yeah, humble beginning and uh, got the firefighting thing and, and now I'm doing the real estate thing. So I don't regret doing any of those steps either. Like I love the fact that I did fire because it made me who I am now, but um, definitely love real estate a lot yeah. more. I was going to say, what do you think? Like, you know, evidently you was a firefighter. What are some of the things you learned being a firefighter that you still use in your own business today? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I'm walking through buildings or we're doing fire inspections or things like that, uh, just kind of, I've been there, done that. So just have an eye for it. Uh, just kind of know different regulations. And I'm not saying I know it all, but just having walked through with fire prevention officers and that, and just even, um, just, and I'm not a, I'm not really like a handy trades type guy, but just having been through with different, uh, through buildings before and going through different, you know, seeing the, the, the bowels of the building and seeing behind the scenes with the fire department. So just kind of getting a, a different um, scope or spec on, on, on building. So, yeah. And just even the, again, um, uh, getting to know people through that, that, uh, through that profession and getting to know different um, I guess pros, like uh, different professionals, I mean, in the area. So yeah, it, it helped. I definitely, again, it's, it's yeah, just, I, uh, it, seems, it seems like a whole other life ago though now, but. Okay. Okay. Cause like, you know, most of my listeners, maybe 25 to 40, 35, but you know, there, most people still work a job. So like that job, I think it's a part of the journey. So every job I think about, I had, I think I still use it in today, like, because at the post office, one of the things was you had to do a lot of volume of work, which is mail, but they also were so precise on time. So I'd be like, Dave, um, what time do you think you'll be done today? I'm the type of person be like, man, maybe three, four, five, I don't know, you know, the traffic, <laughs> but you know, you don't know. But they were like, no, look, look at your stuff and we need maybe like a 20 minute window. And it's an eight hour, nine, 10 hour day. I don't know, you know, but I learned to be more, um, maybe precise or accurate, you know, when talking to people. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So like in high school, before college, your group of friends, if they was to say, uh, Dave is most likely to be blank in highlight before you became who you are today, where your friends and family see you being this person or. Like, no. Yeah, no, no. And good question, George. I, I like it. I don't think I've ever been asked that, but uh, it was mostly, I just like to to joke around, not take it too serious in school, have fun. I still remember teachers telling me like, you think this is funny and a joke? What are you going to do with your life? Like, I wasn't like that terrible student that got kicked out of school, but I also didn't take it too, uh, too seriously because I figured out ah, it'll all work out. Um, but I still remember them that saying, so probably I told them I was going to be a firefighter. I think they kind of said, because uh, typically when people apply, there's like thousands of people that, that apply. And I remember them not believing that I would get that either. So um, I bet you they're surprised to see that, hey, he, he actually did become a firefighter like he said he would. And, and now he's doing real estate, considering that uh, gym class was my my <laughs> my best class at school, at high school. <laughs> right. So your high school GPA was what? Maybe if you remember. Oh. It was, it was not bad because I took like the last year, I'm trying to think, I forget to be honest with you, but, but yeah. definitely not an A student, honestly, George, it, uh, it just wasn't a priority. It just wasn't me. I just didn't memorizing stuff and remembering stuff just wasn't my, uh, my forte being put nah. in that box. I didn't like it. No, nah, it's a common people, like maybe just the, maybe the people I'm attracted to, 
or it's, that's a common answer. Like, man, school is so general. You know, I was interested in this or that. So school got you interested in seven different things, you know? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. So, all right. You're the firefighter. And now you got the real estate, but all right, take us to this first like intro to real estate. What were your head at? Where, what did you think you was going to do? And what was your first actual move? Yeah, I, absolutely. So I met Mel, I forget what year now. Uh, let's not tell her that, but yeah, I forget exactly <laughs> what year it was. I think it was 2012. Right. And uh, got the job, you know, professional firefighter, dream job, loving it. Uh, and then it's time to buy a house, right? You get a job, you buy a house, the typical or what everyone thinks you should do. So I buy a house and then I'm absolutely broke. Um, like literally I canceled my first date with Mel cause I couldn't afford our, our electricity bill or my, my electricity bill. Like I'm, I'm finally got my dream job and I'm like, what, what's going on? So Mel helps me out. Um, eventually we decide to move in together and she already had two rentals, a duplex and a triplex. And I had the house that I had bought. And so decide to move in together and, um, it's time to rent out my little house. And I am, I'm. I'm, I'm paralyzed by the whole lease. Like I'm so worried about the lease and we enter, we put it up for rent. And, and the, honestly, the, the first guy that comes through and it sounds like it's made up, but the first guy that comes through, he's about 60 something years old. And he says, I want to, I, I want to move in and I'm not moving till I die. And I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the place. He's like, I sold my house cause I can't do it. And he's like, I'm going to pay for snow removal. I'm going to get the, you know, I'm going to renovate this. So like, he's just perfect. Right. And Mel goes, like the guy leaves and she's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, I'm out. I'm not doing this whole rental thing. And she had some experience and she's like, Dave, this is the perfect, you're not going to get a better tenant than this guy. This is the perfect renter. He's not going anywhere. He's going to take care of the maintenance himself, which you didn't have to. But uh, anyway, she walked me through it because I was, I was scared. Uh, you know, I was a big chicken to be honest with you. So she walked me through that. And once I realized that every, Everything in real estate is just a step, right? If you don't know how to do a lease, just figure it out. It's not the end of the world. It's just one little roadblock, get through it, and then just get to the next roadblock. So long story short, we buy in the next like two or three years, I think we bought five properties, one, one a year, um, whatever that adds up to. Anyway, and then um, one of, I, I won't say the name, but I was at one of the big five banks. They were the right. ones funding me. And they finally said head office in Toronto says you've reached X amount of units or X amount of uh, buildings and we won't be funding you anymore. And I was like, what? Like I had just gotten promotions at work, right? Because you, you start off probationary, then fourth, third, second, and first class firefighter. Right. So I think I was like third or second class by then making good income, had the cash flow from these five properties. And I'm like, seriously, you're kicking me out. Like you're, you're forcing me to go somewhere else. Like, yeah, the head office in Toronto says no. Okay. So, and again, I won't say the bank, but it's one of the big five. Right. And so that forced me to get into creative financing. And that's when Mel and I, we spent money, we researched, we talked to a lot of people, like we were fascinated with the people that failed. So George, we, we made sure to like, really, um, like we had, everyone knows of, of uh, someone who bought a bunch of buildings and, and they hear that they failed or they didn't do something. So we searched out those people and we found out that they didn't have an exit strategy. Like, and that's that we're so huge. We, our whole thing is exit before you enter with when you're using creative financing. So they had bought in all these buildings with expensive money, but they did, then the market, you know, uh, didn't go where they wanted to. Interest rates ran up and then they tanked. Um, so we just made sure to really understand what they did wrong and to not do that. And that's when we, we started buying uh, with creative financing. And then what, 2017, we bought 12 properties in 12 months. 
it was like 56 units. Wow. And now last year we bought 119 and, and this isn't boasting. It's just saying that you, anyone can do it. Right. And now we're buying Costa Rica and Mexico and in the States. So it's just like, it, it, it's just, once you understand how things happen, like they can start clicking very, very quickly. Yeah. And that's like that, uh, you know, your debt to income ratio. So a lot of people, you know, you get like, nobody tells you that like when you, I think when you, maybe you get five, 10 units and your debt to income, the bank starting to look at it different. Like that's the step where you either going, all right, say I'm comfortable and just stay here. Or it's like, all right, we got to figure this crap out. Yeah. You know? So what's the difference between that little space between saying, Hey, we, <laughs> all right, you know, we going to figure, like you said, you want to figure out creative financing, what men, traits and characteristics of the person need in order to go from that, you know, Hey, we comfortable to know we got to figure this out. Yeah, no, great. Uh, you made me think of two things, George, when you were talking. So um, I didn't understand back then the power of uh, corporation structures and entities, right? And when I had those, let's say it was six properties, six properties in our own name and the big five banks said no um, because of that, because of our TDSR, GDSR and TDI, all that, whatever you want to call it. And they're all owned personally, right? If I had owned them in a corporation, it might be different, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So I had them personally, they said no. So now I went over to different credit unions, B lenders, uh, different things like that. And they continued to allow me to purchase them personally. So at one point, like after the, we had six and then we bought 12 and 12. So we had 18 properties in our own name. And they were more asset-based lending as opposed to just looking at at our our, uh, total debt service ratio. Um, which was awesome. It allowed us to get up to 18 properties. However, it just, I wasn't structured properly. And, you know, 18 properties in your own name, then I had a hard time buying oops, my own house. And I'm like, really? I have 18 properties. They're like, yeah, but when we go to buy your own house, now we have to look at all this and it, your, your ratios are just out of whack, right? Like it, it just didn't make sense. Um, so at that point, then we had to bring everything over to corporations and it was a whole mess like we actually have a, a video on it, George. It cost us like, I think about $483,000, like just insane. Because if you think of all the costs, the initial lawyers, when you first bought it, and then the accountants, and then also when you brought it over to a corporation, the land transfer twice, the accounting twice, the legal twice, uh, the financing had to change things. So it was just a, a mess. Um, so did so- you say you had a video about uh, how to do it? Yeah, yeah, we've got a video about, uh, and I forget what it is, and I'm not trying to plug it. It was just, it's, it's literally, it's just us being real. Cost. No, no, yeah, I'm definitely gonna put it in the show notes because <laughs> yeah. that that's a real thing. Nobody, everybody say, oh, real estate, buy real estate. Nobody tells you, well, when you got ten mortgages in your name, you can't even buy yourself another house, you know. And that's exactly what it is. And I still remember that. And I had all these properties, and I because it was personally, I had guaranteed them with the insurance and all that to, to get those lower rates or the lower down payments. And, uh, and then I couldn't even buy my own house. Um, I had to put 20% down. And I was like, what is going on? And they're like, well, yeah, you're, you're, your, ratio, your ratios are out of whack. Uh, we don't have CMHC to insure you because you use it on your rental property and your personal name. And I was like, I just, but I didn't know any of this. So I, I shot myself in the foot. I had all these income properties, but I couldn't even buy uh, the bigger house that I wanted, right? Because we have three kids and we had, we had lived in a very small house for a long time until we decided to upgrade. Um, so it was just, but again, like you said, George, everyone thinks, oh, just go out and buy a building. Who cares how you structure it? How do you do it? it? Yeah, you can get into it. But at some point, if you're not doing it correctly, 
you're going to have to fix that, uh, that, that bee's nest. And you're also going to have some consequences. So um, those are some of the things that happen to us. Now I buy everything and I'm not preaching here that you have to buy things in a corporation. I'm not a lawyer, not an accountant, but just, you have to know things you have to, under, you have to have that knowledge base to, to structure yourself properly. Right. So, I, I mean, pretty much, unless you, if you, somebody watching and listening to this, I don't, I suggest you find somebody like Dave so we don't make a mistake, you know, because, <laughs> because you, if nobody's um, coaching you, it, it's nothing wrong because I learned by falling on my face, you know, and it's, you get up and you're like, all right, not doing that again. But if you don't have to fall on your face, it saves so much time, you know, and money. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I could, George, you know what? I, you stole the words out of my mouth. I couldn't say it any better than you. Why not? Like, Mel, sorry, I know you, uh, I'm not trying to interrupt you here, but we've spent, now we've spent, we just invested in another uh, program. We've spent over $300,000 now in our own development and like, uh, like uh, coaching, mentoring, real estate coaching, personal development, all that jazz. Anyway, I kind of said that twice there, but literally I wish I spent more money sooner. Like that $483,000 that we messed up on and had to, you know, if I could have spent whatever it is, X amount of dollars to, to save myself, uh, I wish I could. I wish I could go back and kind of give Dave a, a wake up. But uh, some people have to learn the hard way, unfortunately. So, so you believe in um, going to networking events, hiring a business coach, hiring a health fitness coach. You believe in structuring your business with these people. You feel like they bring uh, more value than just watching a YouTube video. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, you know, like free podcast, free video is awesome. But um, I've just learned that you can pay for knowledge. You can pay for experience, which will end up in the end, you'll be paying to get your time back. And that's something now when I want to learn something, instead of dabbling, I just pay someone, I learn it. Cool. Next. Right. Okay. And then I just saved myself years and, and headaches. Um, and I know not everyone's in that situation. It's just and I used to be like, when I was a firefighter, I was the penny cruncher. Like I was the go to three or four different grocery stores. And I knew what was on sale at every one of them so that I could, you know what I mean? But, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with saving a buck. It was just, I would never have spent money on, on how to learn something that I figured I could do my own, um, which is a mistake I made. But now I'm the opposite where I can pay someone to learn something quicker and save myself time and do it faster and better uh, all day, every day. And you know what I would call that? It's the middle-class syndrome. I'm a middle-class person. You know, I was raised regular home, went to school, but that's the middle-class syndrome. Do it yourself. Why would you pay somebody to do something you can't do? And I, you know, like when I first quit my job, I, I was like, you know what? I got a little mini lawn service. I'm getting a lawnmower, weed eater, blower. I'm going to mow all these yards. I'm not paying the lawn service. I did it maybe for like a year. Lawnmower kept breaking, the strain coming out the weed eater. I'm like, <laughs> and you know, the guys are more for like 25, 30 bucks. And I'm out here trying to mow the lawn. Then I got somebody want me to show a house. And I'm like, man, this is not adding up. But, you know, to people that's in my small town, they mow, like, you got time, you don't have a job, mow your own yards. But, you know, that's like a middle-class syndrome. Do not, do not spend money if you can do it yourself. Agreed. I 100% agree. Yes. All right. So, all right, this is going, this is a little bit off business, but yeah. say, all right, you know, God came, you know, whispered in your ear, Dave, I want you to do this for me while you're here. What do you think like the words are like, what is your purpose? Like, what are you doing? Um, you know what? I like that. And for people hundred percent, George, uh, and I do feel like I've had that, I shouldn't say that experience completely, but, um, 
And again, for those people who, who do know us and, and those who don't, in 2018, we almost died. Uh, bad car crash uh, was just outside of, or was in Vaughan, where Canada's Wonderland is, just outside of Toronto. Rolled on the highway. We were on our way to a real estate convention. We were in, uh, we had a shuttle with a big Suburban, big she- uh, oh, Chevy, Tahoe, GMC Suburban, whatever. A <laughs> big right. Suburban, everyone knows what those are. And uh, we rolled, like someone hit us and we rolled, uh, landed upside down. It's almost died, right? Like, I don't even know how we walked away from it. Concussion, neck problems, Mel had most of it. But, uh, and it's going to sound cheesy, but one of those life flashing before your eyes, it's true. Like we had 18 properties at that point. Um, and, we, and we were like scarcity mindset. Like we didn't tell anyone anything. We weren't on social media. My parents, Mel's parents were like, you guys win the lottery. How are you buying all these places? Guys on my shift wouldn't tell them anything, even friends. And then we almost die, right? And then we're like, okay, whoa. And our kids have no idea how we buy buildings, right? So we wouldn't even be able to pass it on. So then we had a limit at like 180. Like the book, I don't know if you can see it. We wrote that book. Yeah, so we wrote the book right after. Uh, got that it became an Amazon bestseller. Then we created the Action Family Mentoring Program, and like that whole whispering, if you want to say God whispered in my ear, um, is it was like you have you understand a, pr- a process and you understand how it works and how to buy buildings with other people's money, creative financing, and again without joint venture partners. And I'm not I'm not opposed to joint venture partners. I'm just I don't do them because. I want to give my kids all my properties. I want to control everything. I don't want to share my, my, the, the, the decision-making or anything like that. So I have this, uh, and I'm not a rocket scientist. Again, I was a firefighter. I'm not a rocket scientist. So I, I have an easy way of showing people how to do it. That's applicable and that can change their lives and they can buy real estate. So that was that whole moment of that's when we started telling, shooting it from the rooftops and created stuff and, and then created the mentoring program. So honestly, like it, and you know, when you, when you were talking, this in my mind, this is what I was pitching. If people didn't get in my mind, this is what I seen. Like, all right, he, you was you was a tree. You was a tree, right? You was a big old tree. You and your wife, y'all was a tree. And uh, you had a tree full of fruit, oranges, apples, all this stuff hanging off. But you built a, a fence around it. Nobody going to get none of this fruit. You know? And it's like, God, you know, he want us to produce fruit. That's the whole point. Produce fruit and help everybody be better in life. So, so now like that, so that transparency, I basically, after this car crash, you took the fence down and you let us in your world. And now so many people are like encouraged and inspired by, by y'all, um, you know, just even what you're doing, just inspired. Sound like. And George, absolutely. And, and the whole thing was, okay, let, let's use your, your, your uh, apple tree analogy. Okay. Um, I'm assuming it's an apple tree. Anyway, you said right. fruit. Well, let's think of it yeah, as yeah. an apple tree. I, was, I saw an apple tree when yeah. you said it. But we used to be so scared that we had the fence around it and that we're not going to have enough apples to eat. But then we realized that we don't need 50 apples every day to eat. Right. So, it, and then I'm just kind of going with your analogy, but once we took the fence down, it wasn't like all of a sudden there's no more deals. There's no more money. There's no more uh, private funding and private lenders. It's been even the opposite is now like it's been even more fruitful um, by removing that scarcity barrier. It's been, I find even more deals. There's more than enough money to go around. There's more than enough private lenders and institutions. Um, so anyone that's in like that mind space of scarcity and don't help people or don't tell people, you're almost, it's not that you're limiting other people for opportunities. I almost find that you're limiting yourself. 
Uh, and that's been a, in a huge one. So no, thank you for saying, I'm going to use that. The tree and the fence. If you're, if you're cool with that, no, no, no. that analogy, I like it. Hey, that, Cause that's, I mean, that's what I, I see. Cause I watch a lot of YouTube and, you know, honestly, because like my friends were Gary V. They don't even know me, but Gary V, Grant Cardone, uh, Brandon Turner, Big Pike. These, like, cause I was in the mail truck for like nine hours a day. So my <laughs> friends were all these people on this podcast. So, you know, they are branching. They give this information for free. So it's like, uh, I listened to one YouTuber the other day. He just started kind of like a small channel, but he was like, you know what? I'm not going to say too much because it's kind of weird because local people in the community are watching my channel now. So he's kind of like, you know, covering up now because like, <laughs> oh crap, I'm, you know, people watching me. So it's kind of like, you know, you're like, you want, you want to do good, but it's like, it's weird, you know? And, and just to, it's funny. How do I say this? We've had mentees now who are part of the action family who are in North Bay in our city. And I remember people saying, and they were kind of weirded out too. Like, well, I'm in your city. Do you find that weird? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. They're like, well, you're not worried. And it's like, again, no, whether you're in my backyard or you're across the country or in a different country, again, there's more than enough for everyone. The scarcity mindset is just not the, it's not the pocket you want to be in. Yeah. Sounds good. I like that. I'm going to keep that in my pocket. All right. (laughs) What is, what, all right, what is something, like, in your business, what is your main role? Like, because you and your wife, evidently, you're a team, and you don't have partners. What is your role in, in the business? Like, our individual roles? Yes, your, yes. Okay, so, yeah, no, absolutely, and we divide and conquer, and I like that you said that, because initially, Mel and I would do everything together. Right. Um, but then, when, as we grew, we realized that there's only, uh, you need to divide and conquer because there's two of us. So we should be capitalizing on the fact that we could both be doing something separate. So like my thing is I love finding deals. Like that's, I, I even if, uh, even if we're not in acquisition mode, because sometimes you've got to, you know, take care of the places that you've got and kind of get things rehabbed. And, and, and sometimes you're in different stages, but just, it, it's like an addiction for me. I've got to be looking at deals all the time. Got to be just keep that, uh, keep a, what is it? Finger or thumb on the pulse just to know what's going on. So that's kind of my thing. And then talking with the private lenders and investors and kind of getting that. And then once, once the deals are found, that type of thing, that's when we kind of get together on that aspect. We start talking about how we're going to structure it for taxes and financing and things like that. And Mel is, uh, Mel's office, our social media, she does all of that. And um, she, she's more of like, um, she does more of like managing the team and everything as well. Right. Cause we have a different, uh, we have like our property teams and then we have like our investor Mel and Dave teams. So she's more hands-on with that where um, I take a backseat to that type thing to, to her. So we, yeah, we divide and conquer. Otherwise um, yeah, if I had to do, if I had to be the lead on the other stuff, I wouldn't be as excited because then I wouldn't get to do what I love, which is finding the deals and, and, and negotiating and all that stuff. Yeah. And as far as, I mean, your wife's not here right now, but what type of team are you structuring? Like what kind of character and people are you looking to add your team or like have on your team? What are you looking for in people? Yeah. And, and the way we are is I'm like, it's like, it's so funny. Cause like, sometimes I, like, I just, and I'm not saying Mel doesn't have a million things in her mind either, but I'm more of like the, like in the morning, I'm like, I'm a bullet point guy. Like I'm a, I'm a boom, 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 boom. Right. And like, I'm like, Hey, look, today is this, 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 this. And I'm like, Hey, and then I'm off to the next thing. And then Mel comes in and like, we smooths it up. It's like what Dave meant to say is today we're going to be doing like, anyway, she is, so she's kind of where the yin and the yang. Um, I'm, I'm just more of like that. Uh, I just need to execute it and then off the checklist and off to the next thing. So she smooths me out there. And then sometimes 
where she'll be going through something and we talk about it and, and I'll just be like, she'll, you know, she, she's kind of thinking, um, I shouldn't say too much, but I'll just, be like, just do this and this next. Like, so we kind of, we like to find people that, that, that understand that. So our team is comprised of a lot of different people in different areas. We have a lot of virtual people as well, but uh, they have to, like the people that we love working with are the people that they're efficient, they're quick. Um, and, and again, people that want to work somewhere it makes a difference. And what I mean by that is we've had a lot of team members come to us from other places and, and they're like, well, uh, how do I say this? They love the fact when they come here because we actually have results and we actually, we put our, our what is it? Put your money where your mouth is. Oh, put your money where your is mouth is. Is that the saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it, the proof is in the pudding and what we do, it works. It's, we're not selling, you know, snake oil skin or whatever that others, I'm, I'm terrible with sayings. And we're not just, you know, preaching something we don't practice. So uh, they like it because we buy buildings with no money. We show people how to do it. They get success. It, it's all real. Uh, we're family. We're family oriented. We have three kids. So uh, I just think people can relate. And we're not uh, not here to fluff anyone. Now, it's, it's two things. I don't want to forget. I'd be forget stuff. Like, it'd be like, <laughs> all right. The two things were um, one is, oh, man, don't don't fool myself. All right. You, Oh man. So you said <laughs> no, no, because I knew it because you I don't try to interrupt, but um all right, you say you structure your team. Okay, okay, I got it. So you structure your or your you say you like a bullet point guy. So I always tell people, like, you know, write down things you need to do. So if you had like say this week, next week coming up, Monday, and you got maybe 10 things you need to do. Do you do like the hardest things first or the easiest? How do you structure or your to-do list? Like, Yeah, I love that. Um, so the structure to-do list is I know what I have to do. And I'd like to pretend to say that I always do the hardest thing first. And because, you know, it sounds good. Um, I almost, and I forget what Mel calls it. I think it's, it's not Murphy's law. I think it's almost Parkinson law right. where in, she said she learned it in business school, but um Basically, she said, if you give someone two weeks to do something, they'll take two weeks. If you give someone two days, they'll take two days. Um, so I've always been huge on that. So I, I just, not that I do the hardest thing first. I'm just very real with myself. Like, Dave, this should be done today. So I add it on my list, and then I know I've got to do it today. And then if I know it's actually going to take more than a couple, than a day or two, then I'll add it on my list for that day. Um, so I'm really good at being... I don't necessarily do the hardest thing first, but I know when it has to be done and I know realistically how much time I need to give myself. Um, right. So I'm big on that. And, and she kind of, she harped on, on the parking. I, I might be butchering that too. I don't know if it's the Parkinson law, but it's basically how much time you give yourself is how much time it takes. Right. So I'm really good at that. And that's really been a key. And the other thing as well is like our general manager and the rest of our team, like if I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, the lawyer is going to send me all these contracts and, and pre-construction builders are going to send me all these contracts. Like, I know I'm going to go bonkers reading it. So I'll, I'll, I'll have the lawyers, I'll have the general manager, like they'll do that stuff that I really d dislike doing. Like I actually need to be doing something. So like to sit and read a 23 page contract is just like, it's painful to me. Right. So I'll make sure that they read it first and get all the kinks out and all that. So I have a team that knows how I operate. Um, like, like the dot, the I's cross the T's is not my thing. Right. So I make sure that they do it all. And then I'll just review it in the end and make sure I'm, it's all good. It's all kosher. Um, so that's been really important to me and Mel's kind of that she's more of the fine details. I'm more of the, let's be bull in a China shop and then we'll kind of figure out the details later. So that's been a really key thing is 
knowing my strengths and my weaknesses and same thing with Mel and, and how we built our team around us. Yeah. And you know how you said, um, I remember everything now, you know, how you said <laughs> you wanted to, uh, to lead our, your people, they love because you guys are, you got, you got proof that you're actually doing it. So people want to join your team. So in like, that's a real leader. Like, uh, not today you got social media, you got fake, a lot of fake leaders. They can perpetrate. And the thing was, they like, hey, come join my team because we're doing this. I can gross this much money a month. I got this type of car. You want this type of lifestyle. So they're they are waving you to come to them when a real leader is really don't really want to lead nobody, but people are trying to follow them. That's what I think people need to realize. If somebody is doing something and they got proof, that's who you need to follow. Don't follow the people who are begging for followers. That's, you know, backwards to me. No, I agree with you. And, and we've had like, like when I say I own 220 apartments, I mean it. Like, and, and if ever I was to sell a 50 plex, I wouldn't lie to you and keep saying I own 200. I would say I own, what is it? 170, whatever the math ends up. Like we've always been so true to, I've never wanted to lie on social media because I, I almost, and I like that you said that George, I'm almost hypersensitive to that fact. Like I've never wanted to be the, the, the faker. And I, and I've met a lot of, I've met people uh, at these different events in that where I've seen what they say on stage and I've talked to them after and I'm like, that's, that's not true, but. But no, you gotta not call them out, not call them out. Don't say that. George. <laughs> Don't say that. But no, man. Cause that's like, you know, I'll be sitting back too and I'll see something like that. And I'm like, you know, they boasting, they boasting, they boasting, but uh, I really know your real life, you know, come on, yeah. man. So it's like, and then they telling people this and people, you know, they, they, it's kind of like, you know, Apple or a big company. You really never know, know the owner because they are not really promoting themselves. They're actually putting out a good value to the world. So people are attracted to that, you know? Mm -hmm. oh, I agree. Yes. All right. So these uh, networking events, do you um, attend networking events? And what do you think? Like, because that's what I'm trying to get into. I'm kind of like, uh, I would say, I'm going to say small minded, but I live in a small town. It's not, you know, California, New York, it's big. So what do you think is the benefit of attending like networking events, big events, Grant Cardone event, uh, uh, when the uh, Dallas Mavericks owner, maybe he had an event. What's your purpose in going in going to it? Yeah, I just, again, it's meeting like-minded people and, um, and obviously the virtual stuff is good too. But when you're talking and having a meal or, you know, do, you know, having a face-to-face -face conversation, it's just, you're, you're able to connect so much deeper, I find. And what I like about those is I find a lot of, um, a lot of people go there, obviously, to find lenders and find money in that. But I like go, and I'm the same way, is I like to go and network. I like to find people who are, are excelling in a certain area, uh, a business area, and also ge geographical area, and just kind of learn from them, right? Like I, I've met different people at these events, um, like the book, the book that we wrote. I met this person at the event, and they just happened to be writing books, and it just so happened to be after a car crash. And they're like, and we had told them, and they're like, I'm going to help you change people's lives. We're going to write a book. And I was like, let's do it. So again, this was actually happening at a networking event, right? So you just, I didn't go in there thinking I'm going to write a book, but because I met that person, we connected, our energies were the same and, and you know, we, we were on the same vibe that it's just, you don't know what people have to offer and people have things that you want. So when you go to these events and you meet them, uh, if you have an open mind, you're going to walk out of there with different perspectives and, and different uh, people in your Rolodex. So I just, I think it's invaluable to, to network and do those types of things.
Yeah. And that was kind of like my, you know, because you got a podcast, you have to ask a question for yourself. So like this weekend is um, Miami Real Estate Weekend. Big thanks. Um, the guy from Shark Tank, uh, O'Leary, uh, Mr. Wonderful. Oh, yeah, Kevin, Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> yes, he's the lead speaker. And, you know, I never go to stuff like this. I'm telling you, I never do. But I think I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, I got after this, I'm going to buy the ticket. Me and my wife and the kid, we're going to go to the event. Because, nice. like you said, like you didn't, I, I don't know what I'm going there for. Maybe I can learn something. Maybe I'll meet somebody. But I feel like I'm supposed to be around that energy, you know? Absolutely. No, you you'll ne I've never regretted going to a conference or a, a get together. I've never once left going, eh, you know, because whether I know it or not, I picked something up from it or I met someone or, 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 you know, you extend an olive branch somewhere. So I hope you have fun at the, the event, George. It's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm, once I buy the ticket, I guess I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, getting down to the end, what's the difference between going from that, you know, uh, $100,000 a year to a million dollar a year business. Because evidently your business, in order to bring in a million dollars revenue and $100,000 revenue is, I'm, I don't know, I never brought a million dollars in, but I'm pretty sure it's totally different business structure. So what are some things that can help a $100,000 business go to that next year tier? Yeah, I'm thinking back, the, the thing that really, um, I guess, propelled us or launched us was, and people don't like doing this, but it, it's going to be, it, it's the things you don't like, right? So delegating and, and relinquishing that, that I shouldn't say power, but that control and that, uh, so when you relinquish that and you're able to delegate and, and have other people help you, again, you just create so much more time. So there's that. And then also, and again, I know this is something people don't want to hear, but spending money, spending money on marketing, spending money in, in social media, spending money to, to get better systems, get better teams, get better logistics, like, if you want to level up, well, and, and uh, what does Einstein say? Uh, the same mindset that got you here is not the same, or the same mindset that created the problem is not the same mindset that can that can solve it or solve something. The problem. Yeah, something like that. And it's so true. And it's, it's so cliche. What got you here won't get you there, but it's true. So whatever got you to six figures, okay, awesome. That's amazing. You're, you're in a higher percentage than a lot of people that are a lower percentage of, uh, 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 of a lot of people income wise. But if you truly want to get to that seven, it's you're going to have to spend some money on systems. You're going to have to spend some money on a team. You're going to have to advertise on social media and get yourself out there. Um, and you're also probably going to have to get a coach, right? Because if you know how to get there, but you don't know how to get there, well, why not just invest in someone that does know how to get there and, and get there faster and quicker and, and without uh, roadblocks? So it's going to be investing in yourself, to be honest with you. Yeah, I hope people watching this, if one thing you do take away from this is um, don't be scared to spend money on yourself. You know, that's what it sounds like for me. You know, that's one investment you won't lose. I agree, George. And it's funny because we just had this conversation the other day with inflation. Like in Canada, it's 4.4, 4.7. In the States, it's 6.2. So right. if you have that money right now, it's literally disappearing to inflation. So why don't you put it into real estate, put it into your own knowledge, and that's never going away. Like that, that's with you for the rest of your life. Dang, that's big gems if people don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm trying to think. Um, anything you wish you knew earlier when you first started real estate, 18 or less units that you know, um, like, like what's something you spend, not spend money on, what's something you need in your life every day that makes your life easier, I can say. Like something you, like assistant, a house cleaner, what's something that, that you, you must have this in Dave's life, like this is must. 
that I need to have? Yeah. Like you, you are like some people say they, they got to have a cleaning lady or they got to have certain things. Like what's something like, Hey, I need this, you know, that's a yeah, different person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's a couple of things. Like looking back, I wish I would have gotten a virtual assistant uh, earlier. Like now I think we have like four or five VAs that help our team. Um, but it's just, again, it's just taking that, you just don't want to have to, and I'm not saying you're too good to think about it, but it's just sometimes like to, to those monotonous little tasks that you could, you could assign over. Like when I, when I'm concentrating and looking at markets and looking at deals and, and, and seeing how I'm going to finance them. And then, and then, but then I've got to figure out how to do little, like, it's like, well, I, I'm in a, I'm in hundreds of thousands of dollars of problems right now. And, and then if I have something and it's like, Oh, I wish I could have just paid someone to take care of that. So it's, it's, and again, before I was, and I'm not saying just go blow your money on all these things, guys, but just, and this is a typical, if it's, if it's a $10 an hour job and you could make a hundred bucks, why would you do the $10 an hour job? Uh, I used to disagree. I used to do the same thing. I used to do all my own snow removal and plow and cut and do all the grass at our rentals. And then eventually I'm like, I could just buy a couple of rentals that'll pay for this for the year. So it's just, I would, it's yeah. The virtual assistants and the ones that can free up my time and different, uh, different people on our team that free up the time to do the, the, the higher leverage higher you know pulling the lever at the at the top type thing right um just don't be afraid to to, to do that Dude, is there anybody in your family that you wish you had the chance to meet or talk to that you feel like they had a lot of knowledge like maybe like a grandfather a great grandfather that you mm-hmm. never really got to sit down and or they like dave you remind me of your archers bob or something like that <laughs> you know yeah, and I think it's on uh, on my mom's side. Um, uh, her dad, he died just before I think like six months before I was born, and they said that we were we were fairly alike, right? Just the, had the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, they said he was kind of like a, he was a bigger, burly guy that just liked to have fun and just want like business and all that. So I wish I could have met him just to see what he thought or what he had kind of learned because he was like in the the lumber industry. So I'm sure he learned some, learned some hard lessons there out in, out in the forest doing stuff. So probably, he probably would have been, you know, harder on me work ethic, but uh, work ethic wise. So yeah, it would have been cool if I could have met him to be honest. Yeah. Well, when you told me that, I feel like uh, you didn't meet him, but probably some of him is in you. Like my granddad, I think he died like three or four days before I was born. My dad's uh-huh. dad. Yeah. Same. I'm the third. He was the first. So I feel like, you know, the universe worked like, all right, we're taking this person, but because I sometimes feel like I was here before. I don't know if that's weird. Like maybe some people say you're wisdom or wise or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I Recently, I've been, I listened to a, a different audio book about like reincarnation and I got, and like, I, I believe in it. Like I love like the universe and law of attraction, all that stuff. And like, I'm big in that with positive thinking and you know, you can, you can make things happen obviously with action, but like with your mind as well, it just helps things. And I remember reading that book and it kind of got the wheels uh, spinning in my head and like, ah, so I haven't really thought about it more, but when I listened to it, it got, it got the wheels, you know, turning in my head on that. Yes. All right. So these are like the last five questions. First yeah. thing that come to your mind. All right. Yeah. If you could spend a day with anybody, you know, on this planet that's alive and like, just hang out, pick that brain, who would it be? Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Yes, I, that's a good one. He's he's hyper energetic. I, and that was one of my friends, too. See, all these people don't even know me, but Tony Robbins, I can almost tell you his speech. He got a couple of them on YouTube and I can almost verbatim just say it, you know, he yeah, got a good uh, Netflix one, too. You seen that one? Oh, I think I did. 
where he was in the audience and he had people crying and stuff and all this. Yeah, I saw the one about the the girl that was in a cult and the guy that wanted to kill himself. It was super yeah. powerful. Yeah, Mel and I watched that one. Yeah, Tony Robbins all day long. Yeah, I used to have everybody come to my house watching that thing. But all right, um, what's something you do better than most people? Like your whole life, you always been better at most people at doing this. So solving problems. Um, I'm still not perfect. That I'm still not the best in the world, obviously. But in my circle, I just I, I solve problems. Yeah, and you know that's a true leader because I, I got a book. I'll tell you the name of it if I can find it. But it's a leadership book, and it was like you know a leader is defined by people always. You know you're a leader if people always bring you problems. When they stop bringing you problems, that's when they don't look at you as a leader no more. Because I, oh, oh, my God, I feel like people always bring me that real estate problem. It's like a strain, <laughs> and they look like this. And I'm like, George. And I'm like, man, you know, they're trying to untangle it. But I'm solving a problem, I guess, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's something that makes you nervous? Like, you like, oh, crap. I got to do this today. What makes me nervous is that I lose um, that I get bored of it. Like I'm always scared of, because I, I love it so much. I'm always like, well, what if 10 years from now, I won't love it. Like I just, cause then it's like, well, what am I going to be so attracted to and, and, and like, like my whole vibe and my whole thing is I love buying buildings. I love being a mentor and investor. And I just get scared that I lose that. Cause then it's like, it's, it's the passion. I get scared that I lose the passion for something, which I don't think will ever happen, but you know, it's like, Oh, I love this so much that I don't want it to go away. Well, say you was making a million dollars a month in positive cash flow. Would you still love it as much? Would you still want to go out here and look for deals or, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wouldn't go, if you was making that much cash flow, you would just go live on a beach and chill or you would still be out here trying to do stuff? No, still be doing it. Like, I, I would just go crazy. I would be so bored. Like, even when we go on vacation, we're still kind of plugging. And, and it's because we love it, right? The kids will be in the pool and we're still kind of doing a little bit of things like. That's the thing. We're always working, but we're never working, if it makes sense. Yeah. I think my mom said that to me. You're always working, and I don't even consider it work. All right. Um, no, that's if, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you had your best friend and you had, you could give him one book to help him become a millionaire, you couldn't help him, but you could re recommend, hey, read this one book, and you need this person to become a millionaire, what book would you refer to? Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's it. Yeah, it's just it won't show you how to be a millionaire, but it'll just explain how you should approach money, how you should approach debt and your mindset towards life. Um, yeah. That's the one we read in 2016 before we bought 12 and 12 in 2017. He, he didn't tell he didn't teach us how to do it, but he just unlocked the whole debt leverage, good, bad. And I was like, I need debt. I need to find debt and get indebted as much as I can. Right. All right. So the old American dream would be you would be Dave, the firefighter. You would have you would be like, George, I got like seven more years left and I'll retire. That would be the old American dream. You would have been still there, you know, kicking, <laughs> picking up snacks from Walgreens at night, you know. Yeah. But all right. What is your version of the new American dream? Especially I know you for your children. Like, how do you want the new way to be? I think the I think it should be. Like I, I, for my kids, I, I just I, I know they're not going to be in one job until they're 65. But I almost want them, and it's funny because I'm having this conversation with our 16-year-olds right now. Like, I want her to go work at Starbucks. I want her to go work at McDonald's. I want her to, I want her to get that experience. I want her to have customer service. I want people to say, this is the wrong order. You screwed up my coffee. Like, I want her to have those interactions with people just to get her ready for life. So if I could mold out the perfect uh, dream for my kids or how I, I would see it is, 
go get a job, learn things, you know, you're going to get fired. You're going to not put your alarm on. You're going to be a, a college kid, maybe go to school, get a couple of years. If you want to be a doctor, then go to school for seven years or 10, whatever it takes. But just, I, I don't want them to go to school for school. I want them to go to school for experience. Like maybe go take a business, whatever it is, go take a course so that you get that, get it out of your system. I don't want you having a, when you're 40 and midlife crisis, cause you didn't go party in college a little bit, but, and then go work a job, start saving, maybe start doing some real estate on the side or start doing, if it's not real estate, your, your side hustle and eventually grow where it becomes your main thing. And then, and then kind of do your passion in your thirties and, and have a business that you've grown and, and you can live off of the rest of your life. Um, I don't know, something like that ish. Yeah. And you know, like, cause I'm, I'm 32 years old. So uh, one of the things I'm realizing with a lot of my friends and, you know, people my age, nobody really want a regular job. And a lot of people who are successful don't work a regular job. They got, um, it's weird now. So, but in order to buy a home still, you need a W-2 job. So I think, you know, it's up to like the older people, the older people are, is the old generation is going away. Everybody's not going to have a job, you know? So I feel like the banks and stuff have to, um, figure out some system not to go back to have a 2008 crash but they have to figure out some way to be able to calculate people's income maybe they're a youtuber or something you know they don't have a w2 job or something but you got to figure out a way to make the wheels keep rolling instead of just saying hey you need a job to do this you know it's 2021 i agree yes i agree all right so um mel wasn't here so we're gonna have to have a part two <laughs> and all right, because I feel like she was going to come in and tell us the real estate. She had the two uh, uh, duplex and triplex. Before yeah. So she was supposed to give us the real estate. So, um, yeah. but for um, people, if they want to reach out, find you, what's the best way to um, contact you or just get in touch with your information? Yeah, absolutely, George. And we'd love to have a part two. Um, I'm sure the second we stop, she'll walk in. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be uh, uh, Murphy's Law. But um, yeah, if people want to find this, everything is at Investor Mel Dave. So YouTube, what is it? What else? Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all that jazz. Yeah, it's all at Investor Mel Dave. That's always the same handle. And you get a different side of us on every different platform. And your book, is it like inspirational or is it real estate? it's it's real estate it's more of like a it's 88 pages like it's short i had a three we had a 300 page book and then we chopped it down to 88 it's just to be like i want you to read it in one sitting it's just it's just to give you a kick in the you know what uh just you know it's no excuses and if i could do it you could do it so it's just a, a motivational real estate quick and dirty giving you some tips but but basically telling you why aren't you doing this yet perfect i will put the link to the show notes to the book nice. so people can check it out I'm going to even check it out myself. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, definitely have to get a part two because I know people want to be like, you know, because I sometimes to be successful in a business, you don't need to know about the business. You need to know about the person and the quality, the small things that get you to the business, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like if we have a part two, we can dive into this. Um, how are you buying these properties, you know, with no partners and really no money down? And that'll be like, you know, because I think you need the core before you even get to that, you know? Absolutely. I, I'd love to, George. I'm in. All right. Thanks, man. Okay. Take care. Bye for now.